Thank you for listening to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, the best ways are to leave a five-star review and subscribe on your favorite platform. And follow us on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. I am your host, Wyatt, co-hosting alongside Lucas, Aiden, Jared, and Bart. We are going to jump into a huge college football episode, including the coveted BCTOTW. It stands for Blue Collar Team of the Week. If you're not tuned in every week, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. But Jared has <laughs> the honor of listing the BCTOTW. Jared, who is this week's BCTOTW? I think Michigan deserves some credit here for sure. Even though Penn State is one of the most consistently overrated teams in the country. No. They don't call them the Florida of the Big Ten for nothing. This is a great win. (laughs) Do they call them? They held a a Big Ten rival, let's say. Why it's called them. (laughs) That's news to me. Or or the other way around. One of the two. Anyway, they held a Big Ten rival, let's say, to 268 total yards. Neither of Penn State's quarterbacks threw a touchdown, and Sean Clifford was under 50% completion percentage. On the other hand, they rushed for 418 yards, which is insane. (laughs) Almost triple their passing yards, which is very, very blue-collar. And you got to admit, Michigan is home to the definition of a blue-collar city (laughs) in Detroit. So, you know, there's a point for them too. Great win for Michigan. Excited to see if they can keep it up and what what the game looks like against Ohio State this year. It could be another fun one. So, yeah, Michigan is our blue-collar team of the week. Jared, if you want to save some time, you can just call it the BCTOTWs. Michigan is the <laughs> short that up. Much shorter. Let's yeah. time it. Yeah. <laughs> Do they? They might yeah. actually I mean, literally have a blue color. It might be yellow, but I don't know. it's. I'm looking Ooh. right now. It's blue. Nice. Ooh. I think. Was that? Was that yeah. a sneaky good pick? That's nice. It worked. I didn't I think know. about it beforehand. Yeah, it's a blue color. <laughs> Even when yeah. they wear yellow, it's a blue color. They know. No, that's. I mean, the rushing yards that especially, I think, is the it's thing that crazy. sells it for me. It does yeah. feel weird giving Michigan though the blue collar team of the week, like because Michigan is like a blue blood, you know. It's like blue blood, blue can't be collar. I think you can. Also, at some point, I'd but like they're the to... perfect blue blood for it. Yeah, you don't think blue bloods? Yeah. Blue bloods <laughs> meant they were playing. Blue bloods meant they were playing in the area of football when the forward pass was a trick play. So it's, it's possible <laughs> to be a blue collar team. Very possible. Yeah. Like, also- check the rules. It's legal. Yeah, to do it. <laughs> no, honestly though, I'd like to do yeah. a ranking at some point of cities that are close to very blue collar cities that are not blue collar at all, and that's what I'd call Ann Arbor. Though I think I think you're right. Yeah, that Michigan okay. deserves it this week. That is a niche. Yeah, I've never also been to Ann Arbor, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice. I was there it's- once with Aiden. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for like 45 minutes, but. <laughs> Yeah, what like a layover? Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a layover. We're we're driving to the real blue collar city, exactly. Um, of Chicago, Detroit. Oh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> Los yeah. Angeles, yeah. <laughs> Evan, Evanston, Illinois. I think is a non blue collar town right next to a blue collar city. So we're but just really anywhere outside of Chicago. Blue city. <laughs> Chicago is yeah. not a blue collar city at all, though. Anyway. Yes, they anyway. are. No, they're not. Yeah, we've just we've debated this before. We don't need to. Yeah, we don't need to go into it again. If they're allowed again, to have a cold weather game, they're blue collar. 
<laughs> I agree. With and that. not that's just not like true. not just like no. Washington cold weather. That means weather. Big Ten is blue collar. Yeah, though. yeah, that's, that's yeah, it is. But that's not the definition. They could be yeah. blue collar if be, if, it, if it's cold not. weather. If yeah. it's like if it gets too close to freezing, or they have two snowy games a year. That's that's the parameter. I support that. Also, shout out Blake Corum. I was gonna, looking this up because I couldn't <laughs> find it in terms of like the the running back and the rushing yards. Um, <laughs> he had five rushing touchdowns in a game earlier this season too. Nice. That's pretty blue collar. Was it against Hawaii? It was against UConn, but okay. you know. <laughs> <laughs> on 71 yards rushing though five touchdowns and 71 yards the rushing travis kelsey stat right there <laughs> i know right is uconn in a conference <laughs> or are they no, are they independent and just all okay that's what i thought and they also like didn't play during uh covid covid year their quarterback or not their quarterback their coach their team quit on their coach before before it was uh their current coach i think jim mora right yeah, I remember that. They're they're not doing terrible this year. They uh all about they culture. Beat Fresno State. That's something. <laughs> On that sweet sweet independent schedule, huh? Yeah. Really kind of play yeah. whoever you want. <laughs> yeah, build a strength of schedule. Yeah, how's that working out for you? Uh, the Tennessee Volunteers <laughs> actually did win. They take down the big bad Alabama Roll Tide. Uh, the, the volunteers punched in a knuckleball field goal to end the game and then proceeded to rip those field goals out of the ground <laughs> and throw them in the river. Bart, are the Tennessee volunteers legitimate college football playoff champions contenders this year? And, or has the rest of college football really caught up to Alabama? I definitely think they are contenders. Uh, the reason I say that is because there is an obvious parallel to this team in recent history, and that is the 2019 LSU Tigers. I see a lot of similarities here. This Volunteers team is first in the country in yards per game. So was that Tigers team. This Volunteers team scores like a little under 48 points per game. That Tigers team is slightly above it. They put up 52 points against Bama. The stat that I saw that's crazy to me is this is the most points Bama has given up in any game since 1907. What? This this Tennessee offense is simply crazy. I'm not going to sit here and say that uh, that Hooker is having as as good of a season as Joe Burrow had that season. He had Burrow had ten more touchdowns at the same point in the season already. But Hooker's still amazing right now. He's got 15 touchdowns to one pick. He's completing 70% of his passes. Um, and they've been doing all this without their best receiver, Cedric Tillman, who's supposed to be coming back soon. So, like I said, basically this this offense is rolling just like that LSU team was rolling. Obviously, the defense is a little bit more problematic. You could argue that LSU's team, LSU team's defense was a little bit better, but like if you need any clear-cut example of how defense wins championships isn't always true, that LSU team is as far as you need to look. So I think for that reason, absolutely, Tennessee and Tennessee could push teams and win it all. Do I think that the rest of college football has caught up to Bama? No. I don't think we want to read... I don't think you should read too much what? into one game. Uh, it was just a three-point loss. Sure, Tennessee's offense was rolling, but like Bryce Young still looked fantastic. They still could have won this game. You know what happened the year that uh, LSU beat Bama, and then Bama lost to Auburn as well? They missed the playoffs entirely. And then what happened the next year? <laughs> they went undefeated, and they won the whole championship again. So who's to say that that's not going to happen next year? And then are we going to be asking this question? <laughs> Probably not. Also, on top of all that, Bama could still make the playoffs this year. 
it's not far-fetched at all that they win out and then that they win the SEC championship. And then if Bama makes the, the playoffs again, they're going to be as scary as anybody. I mean, it would take them beating whoever wins the Georgia-Tennessee game, presumably, but that's not out of the realm of possibility. So I don't think you should read too much into a three-point loss here for Bama. They're still good. I think they're still good. I just think that the, the competitive gap is a little bit less than it used to be. I feel like the frequency with which Alabama is winning championships or at least throttling teams at that should be at least competitive with them on a pretty consistent basis has at least diminished in recent years. Do I think Alabama is still one of the best programs in the country and probably should be the favorite every year going in uh, to win it all? Yeah, probably at this point, but I think that the talent gap now is a little bit less than what it used to be. Yeah, I mean, Alabama's played three close games this year already. Only one of them was was without Bryce Young, too. Right, so. but I mean, how do you... I guess I guess my question is, how do you define catching up to? Because, like, th- this has happened to Bama before. Being able to play They've in close... Being able to play in close games. Before. Eh. Yeah, they haven't looked... I don't know, maybe it's just recency bias. They, I just feel like they haven't looked that vulnerable. As vulnerable as they do now. Especially in a non-conference game against Texas. They've never looked that that bad. Yeah, it is. I agree, Bart, with what you're saying about the future. I don't think this really has any bearing on the future. Um, but this year, it, I would be pretty surprised if they made the playoff if they won out, given that they have Mississippi State next week, who's solid. LSU the week after, who's solid. Number seven, Ole Miss at some point. And then they finish off with Auburn, who's not good, but almost beat them last year. Um, so given that and the fact that they'd have to play Tennessee or Georgia in the SEC championship game, I don't really see it happening, given what we've seen so far. Mm. It might just also have been, too, I was mentioning, like I feel like they're not as consistently like the juggernaut or winning national championships, but Alabama has won three of the last nine national championships, which is obviously a lot, but not as high of a number as I necessarily thought it was either. Yeah. So, hey, Texas A&M's buying all those five-star recruits off of Alabama now, so they can't have all of them. You know, <laughs> they've also been ranked Alabama number one in every season at some point in every season since 2008, which is wild. That's that is crazy. So, I mean, do I think like that consistent level of dominance is something that like other teams have caught up to? No, but I think that at least like there's somewhat of a closing of the gap. But maybe I'm just again recency bias on this past weekend in Tennessee winning that game. I think it's fair to say when teams like Tennessee and Texas A&M are taking them in Texas are, are kind of taking them to the very end. Uh, it, it's normally, it normally is a Georgia or a high powered LSU or Ohio state that are like the other top programs in college football. But now, you know, Tennessee is one of the top programs right now, but historically, you know, past the Peyton Manning years, they have not been very fantastic. And Texas A&M still has not lived up to its, its name, but they still were, t- were able to take them very far, and same with Texas. So I think, I think you could say that the talent gap is getting, uh, is starting to close up a little bit on Alabama. Caught up entirely, I don't think so. I think that uh, Nick Saban's transition to be a more offensive focused recruiter and coach is still spectacular with the way that he's been able to move on from Jalen Hurts to Tua to Bryce Young, um, and and always have a slew of handful. A slew of talented wide receivers come out of that program as well is is fantastic. So I think that they're always going to be the upper echelon, but I think that they're going to be far more vulnerable 
across the board to teams outside of Georgia, LSU, you know, the other, the other top teams, you know? Yeah. And the whole Oklahoma, Texas joining the SEC, I feel like will only make things more random. Not saying that they'll be Mm -hmm. random totally, but it will give Bama probably more tough games per year, more chances to lose two games. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it, I do think that Bama's like most dominant days are behind them, even if I don't expect them to to not still be, you know, a, a top three team every year for the next decade or so. Texas got next. Should we view? Um, should, <laughs> <Hook 'em. laughs> should we view Hendon Hooker as an NFL quarterback prospect? Prospect like a legitimate one? Definitely. Yeah, I think so. I also didn't realize how old he was too. He's twenty four. That's literally the biggest uh, knock against him. That's like the only knock against him. He's going to be yeah. 25 at the time of the draft. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Not that much younger than us. <laughs> What's going on? Well, we're 25. I mean, we're not old. We're 25. I know. But I feel, it's weird to me that there are people playing college football who like are within my still uh, do you realm trust of me? relative age range. We're, we were uh, around Leonard Fournette's like, graduation class. I think he was a year above us, but like... When playing, being a high school football player and, and seeing Leonard Fournette on TV, I knew I wasn't making it to college. I was like, you know, <laughs> I was like, some people, some people just, you know, got to be third best it's to, to a guy like Leonard Fournette. So, you know, it, yeah, no harm, no foul. I'm definitely bought into the Hendon Hooker hype, though. And maybe I'm a little biased because all the tape out there that I can watch on YouTube is highlight films. Uh, but. <laughs> but I mean, the highlights are, are are impressive, just given the physical ability. He he's obviously six four, he's two eighteen. He can run. He's strong. I've seen him make some really impressive throws on the run that are almost across his body. He looks like he definitely has the arm, and he only has one interception on the season. Even if fifteen touchdowns, I don't know how to judge that in college football terms. But he still is. He I'm I'm still bought into him for sure. I can definitely see his age being a detractor, but he also isn't going to be like dramatically older than some other people are um you know give or take he, he's a senior in college so it's kind of like what are you supposed to do about it and especially if you're if your birthday is at a certain time of the year where they like make the cutoff for how old a player is it's kind of weird to to judge people on that but i, I saw someone on the interwebs <coughs> excuse me uh, make the point that uh like age should probably be becoming less and less of a factor anyway since players are playing longer especially quarterbacks like you've seen quarterbacks playing into their mid 40s so like if you're if you're if you're the guy at 25 is that really you know even relevant anymore i mean honestly yeah do y'all remember brandon whedon who was drafted i think at 29 or something so yeah Yeah. that didn't work out out great he's a dominant (laughs) yeah yeah, nfl qb these days He went to the Browns, though. As long as you avoid yeah, the Browns, exactly. you're fine. It's not his fault. <laughs> but Joe Burrow was uh, 23 at the time he got drafted. So it's not like... Yeah. it's not like I mean, I guess it's a year, but... I very rarely are people, I think, like Lamar Jackson, who are incredibly <clears throat> young. Like, Lamar Jackson was 21 years old, but it's also kind of like... I don't know. If they had the draft at a different time. Could have been 22, and then it would have changed maybe the way they viewed him. I'm not sure. Anyway, we're going to move on. Our final segment, Jared is going to take a victory lap after hometown hero Tobias caught a single touchdown in Notre Dame's dominant win against the highly ranked Stanford Cardinal. Jared, yeah. what do you want to say? Take a lap. 
I had the pleasure of seeing this live alongside the other Notre Dame people on this podcast. Um, I knew it was him too because I was looking for number 15 out there. Um, so obviously he had that touchdown um, in his first catch. The first game they throw to him, of course, he scores a touchdown. He probably should have had two if Drew Pine didn't overthrow him on the first try earlier in the game. Probably should have had another, but that wasn't on Tobias. And this is the thing. At the start of the year, I said Tobias would be the freshman to make a difference because every Notre Dame writer that I know of wrote about Tobias during the summer that, oh, this guy's going to be a game changer. This guy's going to be our best receiver. And then all of a sudden, he's not even on the roster for the Ohio State game. And I'm like, what? The coaches say he's not ready. Then my question to the coaches would be, who is ready? Because our entire receiving core has the same amount of receiving touchdowns (laughs) as Michael Mayer has right now. Our receiving (laughs) core is... Is terrible this year, and that was the the um, narrative coming into the season. But literally, with Tobias's one touchdown, he has he leads the receiver. He's tied for the lead of receivers for most touchdowns. <laughs> None of our receivers, other than Mayer, have more than a single touchdown. It's embarrassing. How are we saying? So this is what Marcus Freeman said uh, about him too. They said we were looking for a specific coverage. We saw it and we called it. That's what Tobias can do, but. He's got to continue to expand that confidence in terms of what the coaches feel like they can call with him in there, which I just feel like is dumb. If you want to know what you can do with him in there, then throw the ball to him. That's what I say. So that's my victory lap right there. It clearly in the first yeah. game, we actually tried to target him. It worked. And then go ahead. Yeah. They didn't target him again for the didn't, rest of the game. Exactly. That's, I, th- I figured you were going to say that because you were the one that brought that up. At the Wasn't game. the stat that he didn't even play for the rest of the game? He might not have. He was. I think he wasn't in on any passing plays for the rest of the game. Was I saw. So it's like, I think he was in as like a blocker on a few like, or as the wide receiver on a few rushing plays. But yeah, they didn't, and they didn't target him the rest of the game. It was like, I just don't understand. Like, did he do something to like hurt one of the coaches? Like, I just can't, I don't think there's no logical explanation. Like, I think there's a lot of problems with this team, offensive play calling chief among them, along with just general quarterback play. But it just seems like whatever Tommy Reese is doing is not working. And it feels like he's very resistant to change and consider new ideas because the second they put in a new guy who hasn't contributed all season, the offense like lights up. And then it's almost like Tommy Reese didn't want to be like wrong or whatever. And so he's like, Oh, well not going to throw to him again this game. Like that was just a fluke. So I, I just don't understand it at this point. Like, yeah, just like the offense is just brutally bad this year. It kind of reminds me of when my former quad mate at Notre Dame, Dexter Williams. Shout out, Dexter, if you're listening. I know he's listening. Um, <laughs> when, De- <laughs> when Dexter Dexter was also like highly recruited, everybody's like, why isn't he in? And apparently it was because he wasn't as great as like Josh Adams in pass protection. And that meant like he wasn't a complete back or something. Even though when we saw his senior year that he was electric, had a great season. I hope they don't make that same sort of mistake here where maybe there's some sort of the phase of the game that he's not good at. I'm not exactly sure what it is. Obviously, we're not at practice. That is keeping him out, but I feel like at this point, it's dumb. Just play to your team's strengths at this point. It's it's a good idea to throw to our best players. Michael Mayer is clearly our best player, but if we have somebody that can blow the defense over the top, which was supposed to be Braden Lindsay, but he hasn't really done that, you know, then why not just, why, why not just put Tobias? I don't know. It doesn't look like anybody's that much better than him anyway. 
you know, when, when you look at the rest of the wide receivers, it's not like, Oh, you know, I can see that he's going to have to really fight his way into getting reps. Like he's, he's not, if he's not where he wants, where you want him to be, then nobody is where you want them to be. Like, like I can't, I couldn't tell you the guy that is necessarily fantastic in practice is, and is an entirely different beast. Um, but you know, I'll tell you what little fun fact. I coach football. And I coached against Tobias uh, last year at a different school. Uh-huh. Um, and <clears throat> I get that it's a different beast uh, on a day-to-day basis with, with a handful of things. But he passes all the physical tests. He's big and he's fast and he, he can do a lot of things. And I think at the very least, you just got to like keep pouring into that cup and and just you know get, give him some actual game time reps because... He is a freshman now kind of playing in college speed and, and again, like he's he's gonna get better just the more you play him. I don't know necessarily think that he's like so like too raw to to really throw out there. Well, that's gonna do it for this episode. If you agree that Tobias Merriweather should be getting more reps, why don't you give us a mention on either Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at lunchpailguys underscore. That's my ask to you comment anything you'd like to on one of our posts on those social media platforms and we'll see you next week for some more sports talk